This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, June 4th, 2021. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford and Roth. And today we're sitting down with the podsters, people who are content creators, uh, podcast hosts, uh, um, uh, leaders of networks, of collaboratives, uh, people putting content together. Uh, and these are all folks, uh, federal employees, uh, active duty, uh, military folks who are cre- coming up with these creative outlets um, and giving back to their communities and also building out something additional for themselves. Um, I've gotten to know each of them over the past several years in different ways, and I'm really excited to have what I think will be an interesting conversation today with my guests, uh, Daniel Holter, Love Rutledge, and Alex Tremble. And I'll introduce, let them each introduce themselves in just a moment. Before we dive into our conversation, I want to remind our listeners that Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, insured by John Hancock Life and Health Insurance Company, under a group long-term care insurance policy, and administered by Long-Term Care Partners, LLC, doing business as FedPoint. To learn more, visit them at www.ltcfeds.com today. Well, again, thank you all so much, Daniel, Love, Alex, for being here with us this morning. Uh, I'm excited for our conversation, and I want to give you each a chance to to introduce yourselves and kind of your your core projects, some of the things that that have uh, led me to, to invite you here to talk to us on Fed Talk today. Um, and let's uh, let's go, ladies first. Uh, Love Rutledge, uh, your your Fed Fed Upward podcast. You're at almost a hundred episodes now, I think. Um, um, I've been on and uh, happy to have you here on Fed Talk today. Please introduce yourself um, and uh, something about Fed Upward. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I launched the Fed Upward podcast about a year and a half ago, almost at 100 episodes, like you said. You can find it at fedupward.com. And I started the show because I wanted to have a place where federal employees could go to find practical solutions for day-to-day problems. I was facing um, a lot of issues myself a couple of years ago when I had my first child. This was pre-parental leave. And I got so frustrated trying to find answers to my questions that I thought, I should create a resource for other people so they didn't have to go through the same thing. So that was the impetus for the show. And it's been going for a while now. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm also a full-time employee at the Department of Defense. And I want to be clear that my opinions expressed here and on the podcast are mine alone and not those of the federal government. Awesome. Thanks so, so much for being here with us, love, and for creating a resource, not just for yourself to fill those gaps, but also for others in the community. Uh, and I hope folks check it out. Um, uh, Alex Tremble, 
um, with the, the Trumbull Influence Academy, uh, the current iteration of Alex and in the leadership space. Um, I've gotten to know Alex over the past several years um, and uh, really excited to have him here today uh, on Fed Talk. Alex, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for the introduction, Jason, and I'm so happy to be here today. Um, yeah, so I guess how I started the Alex Trimble Show, um, which, is, which is my most recent project, is similar to love. Um, I've been blessed in that um, I've had some successes throughout my life. And as I look back at my life, um, those successes really came from a lot of great mentorship. Um, you know, my, my first job in the federal government was overseeing executive leadership development for Interior. Um, and I was 23. And so there's no way I could have done it by myself. It came really from all of the great leaders who poured into me. And I said, look, I looked around and said, honestly, there's this, it's really unfortunate that not everyone has the opportunity to be mentored by individuals who, who have been successful and who, who've made mistakes and can teach other people from those mistakes. And so that's why I started the Alex Trimble show. And honestly, I've been blessed to have phenomenal leaders um, on this show, including the acting, uh, the current acting uh, director of the CFPB, um, Dave Ujo, and that was a really great episode. So I also invite everyone to come over, by, come by and uh, hang out with us. It's at thealextrimbleshow.com. And I will be quiet and pass this back over to Jason. Well, thanks so much, Alex. And uh, really happy to have you here today. Uh, um, the, you've got a great resource and um, have, have been putting a lot out there into the community for, for several years. Uh, and our, our third guest today is... Uh, Daniel Holter. Um, Daniel is uh, someone that I found, uh, an internet friend who's becoming a, a real friend as we get to chat, uh, found his thoughts out there through LinkedIn and uh, learned about a project, uh, Project Agitare, that he and several other folks in the Defense Department, the defense space have created. And uh, it's a really interesting project. Um, Daniel is also creating a ton of other content in different forms because we all learn in different ways. And uh, so I'm excited to have him today to talk about Ajitare and some of the other things that he's got going on. Thanks for being on Fed Talk, Daniel. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm I'm really happy to be here. Always happy to to connect with other people. Uh, and and I I every time I think I connected with Love recently about her, the origin of her her uh, you know. Uh, podcast there as well as you know and hearing Alex talk about his there's a commonality there that I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on as well which is that my what I built was born out of a need that I felt uh, you know that I needed to have as I was kind of coming up and and iterating on my own uh, leadership and and uh, innovation journey Um, and so I started with you know I've been in the Air Force for about 15 years and I'll just repeat that you can basically be assured that anything I say does not reflect the the views of the DOD or the Air Force. Like they're probably going to be, you know, pretty, pretty diametrically opposed. But um, yeah, I, I started with just like writing about my experience and that's, that's how it began. Um, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, I was just blogging on internal networks um, and I, I, cause I wanted to solve some of these frustrations and then I was, as I was exploring more about what might facilitate innovation, I came across the concepts of, of facilitated practices, uh, you know, design thinking and facilitated approaches to problem solving and sense making and complexity. Uh, so I tried to become a practitioner and I discovered quickly that I was burning out as a lone practitioner without a larger community. 
Um, and then a, f- a few years in, just kind of writing about my experience and building a building a following, as well as uh, you know volunteering with the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, I came across this. I, I, I kind of organically developed this idea that what we needed now as a platform to build up to what my aspirational vision was for the for the defense community was a community of practice for some of these uh, practices that are not well received. And that's, that's the origin of Agitare is, you know, I like to call it a, uh, is sort of like a, a, a Daniel support group that I built for myself and other people have found it uh, equally supportive. So it continues to grow. Thanks so much, Daniel, for, for sharing that, that initial background and for being with us here today. Uh, hopefully folks can hear out there from our, our three guests and, and how, what they've got going on with their creations, these kind of common origin stories of, of a personal need that, that you're initially starting to feel, and then that need, uh, filling a need for others within the federal community and, and within our workplaces. And um, to me, that's really interesting and exciting, uh, particularly when we've had so many of the same common problems for so long um, here in the federal government space. Um, and, you know, technology is uh, enabling, you know, the, the creation of all of this additional content. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to do a podcast, post it, put it online, to have your thoughts spread across LinkedIn or YouTube or other platforms. And that helps bring people together who are also trying to do the same thing or if we're looking to fill those same same holes. So I'm really excited to dive into the rest of our conversation here today with Daniel Love and Alex. We have to pause and take our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're back with the Podsters, uh, our content creators, our friends who are innovating across the ecosystem. And we're talking about each of these projects: the Trumbull Influence Academy, the Fed Upward Podcast, Project Agitare, uh, as as initiatives that that each of our guests started to fill, started initially to fill a personal void in their careers or in their workplace. And eventually they, they grew up and, um, and became bigger things. But I want to, uh, in, in this segment here, kind of talk a little bit more about that, that need uh, at the personal level uh, that, that wasn't being filled within the bureaucracy. And, uh, you know, if there were things that you did before you decided to start, start these, these, these content creations um, that you tried internally that, that might not have worked out, that, that led you to keep pushing and keep going. Um, Alex, let's start with you. You know, I love that you asked that question. Actually, let me take a step back. Daniel, I love your voice, by the way. I mean, you have like really cool, smooth voice. I, I, I'm going to get like you one day. Oh, you too, Alex. I like your voice too. <laughs> um, love, love you too. Um, so <laughs> Jason, thank you for asking that question. And, you know, like you said, there's been an evolution. Um, 
I like to, so my focus is influence. So, you know, networking, uh, understanding politically, uh, being how to be politically savvy at navigating difficult relationships. And uh, that's what I tend to teach in my shows and my products and my speaking. Those are the areas where I really kind of focus in on. And I like to compare it to what the government does and what most organizations do is they teach stuff, right? Like they'll, they'll send you to class for procurement. They'll send you a, a leadership class on conflict management and it's some random things I felt like. And, um, but, but it's like, it's like checkers and chess. Like if someone teaches you, if you, if you know how to move a chess piece up and down or to the side, if you know which, which direction each t- chess piece can move, that doesn't make you a good chess player. That's literally just teaching you just the basics. And what I want to do is help people learn strategy, how to, you know, when to talk to someone, how to talk to someone, you know, when, when how can you influence people? Like, again, I feel like the government just, they teach random things and they want people to, to excel and they, they want leaders, but they want us to learn it. Um, by chance, right? Hopefully you find a mentor. Hopefully you run across someone who can say, hey, look, don't say it that way because you're going to kill your career. Um, and, and that's where, that's where it kind of came from. So again, just learning from all these, these senior executives. Like I was blessed to be, to be around these very senior level people, successful people early in my career. And I was able to see who was successful and who ultimately ended up failing, right? Or getting put in a closet somewhere. And so I just kind of captured those ideas and initially started off um, writing my first book, um, The GPS Guide to Success. And after I read, I, I wrote that book and it did really well. And I, I started more public speaking and whatnot. Um, I then wrote my second book was the, the Reaching Senior Leadership book, which is a, f- a really great book focused on, you know, reaching senior leadership positions within the, the, the public sector. Um, but to your point, I just felt like I could reach more people if I did something different. And what happened? A pandemic. And it forced me to move electronic. And that is now how I got to put, uh, publishing the Alex Trimble Show, which is this literally um, connecting very influential and successful people with everyone out there in a very easy way to, di- to digest, which is clicking a, a play button. Thanks so much, Alex, for, for sharing that with us. Uh, Love or Daniel, anything to react to what Alex shared or your thoughts on the initial question? Sure, I'll jump in. I totally agree with what Alex said in that a lot of what we learn as federal employees is sort of haphazard and by chance rather than having a smooth plan laid out for us as we develop into uh, more senior employees, right? So we learn a lot about the technical aspects of whatever the mission is where we work and not as much about uh, how to lead people and how to find answers to questions. And again, I'm very focused on tactical solutions in my podcast and what I do, the day-to-day stuff. And I wanted to provide people with the information that I wish I had had, like when I came into the government as a GS7, here's what I wish everybody had told me, or here's what I think has been most useful for me over the course of my 21 year career that I really want other people to know because it's not a zero sum game. The more people who know these things and know where to go to find positive examples in other agencies or departments, the better off we're all going to be. And so often we're, we're all facing the same issues. Every agency and department has financial management issues, uh, leadership issues, 
the things that public affairs officers across the government are facing are probably the same. You know, pick your your area of expertise. We all have common issues regardless of what we're working on. And so again, I wanted to find a place to share positive stories, which is harder than you'd think because it's hard to get interviews with folks who are currently federal employees. It takes a long time. It's very cumbersome. And, you know, getting those positive stories out, I think is really important, particularly as we have seen the ebb and flow of popularity of federal employees, right? Like at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, anybody who was serving in a way that required them to continue to go to work or be on the front lines, you know, everybody wanted to do everything they could to support us. And then now we've seen things go sort of back to normal where a lot of folks uh, automatically think that people who work for the federal government are lazy or incompetent or they couldn't do something else. And again, I want to share stories that show that that's not the case and give folks answers to questions that they have about everyday issues. Yeah, there's a there's a common theme in here, uh, which is is very tied into my story, which is which is actually about storytelling. Um, I began. I mean, I'm a content creator just by nature. Like I I started with making music and you know writing all all genres of music. I also loved writing lyrics. Um, so I've always been sort of a, in, in interested in creative expression and I've always understood the personal power of that, but also because it resonates with other people. So where that, where that ties into this is that w- one of my biggest frustrations years ago was I was dealing, you know, that got me into the innovation space was there was an Air Force policy that did not see the complexity of my individual story. And as a result, I was the, you know, what I would call an idiosyncratic peg to the, to the round hole of policy. And as, as a result, my family was enduring a, a great deal of pain, you know, just trying to be forced through that hole. So most people within the military space just get out or they endure it because that's the culture, right? If you don't fit the rigid mold, the, the like institutional form, then you just kind of have to suck it up. I, I always felt like that was stupid. Like we ought to be able to adapt at the, at the lowest level because that's how you, that's how you navigate complexity at scale. Um, and, and so I was just telling my story and I found that by, you know, so policy tried to abstract away the human, right? They tried to abstract it away so that they could create it at scale. And then as I added in more human elements, people started to, to understand what I was talking about. So the, the power of just telling a story gives people access and understanding, right? And it, it kind of, uh, you know, what Alex is talking about from, from the sound of it is giving people the ability to understand on a human level how to navigate these systems at scale, right? Which is, and, and this ties into something that I've been writing about a lot recently, which is uh, tribal forms versus institutional forms. Um, you know, I'll acknowledge tribal is a bit of a problematic word, but it's it's what's used been used anthropologically to describe this this effect. So it's the the term I use. Um, so naturally, we need both tribal and institutional forms. Uh, tribal forms are conversational, right? And that's what you find with content creation. It's people telling individual stories. That's how humanity existed for tens of thousands of years was just telling each other stories around a campfire. And then when we evolved into agrarian society, we needed to exist at scale. Now you need to write things down so it can, it can, information can be carried to way more people, right? 
for a much longer period of time. Conversational tribal forms don't work well for that. So you need institutional forms. Well, in the federal government and in the military, we basically only operate in institutional forms. They don't offer us tribal forms of, of alignment. And as a result, you end up with situations where it's like just a bunch of information like Alex and, and Love were talking about that's impossible to navigate on a human level because we're too complex. And what you, the, one of the best things that you can do to make sense of it for humans is just to reinsert those human forms. And I think that's the role that content creation plays is it's just, I hear a story and I'm like, oh, that's how I personally as a human being who has complexity fit into this larger institutional structure and how I can navigate it. When I hear stories of how other people did or how the institution failed to meet their needs, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Whereas the institution can only speak institutional forms, which is why I think that these kind of rogue content creators are doing such important work. Can, can, I, can, I, can I jump on with something, Dan? Well, not, not something, like everything you said, man. Like, again, I'm loving it. Um, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the work you do. I really appreciate the work Love does. And really anyone who's doing this work, especially in the government, because like you said, there, there are systems in place, um, real and, and perceived, that, that really fight against this type of innovation, right? Um, you know, my, my own personal situation, you know, I've had... I've had the, uh, I had my agency's um, IG, I was reported to IG like twice and ethics twice, you know, people like, oh, you can't do that. You're, you're promoting your book. I'm like, they contacted me. They did a little investigation and they're like, yeah, you've done nothing wrong. But there's also this perceived, like we're a federal employee. We can't do anything. Um, let me just sit on my hands and deal with whatever comes out of me. And there is room. Um, within the system to move, um, but you also have to have, like have some resilience because, like, you, like Daniel's talking about and loves talking about, there, there's, there's going to be some pushback, right? Whether it's policy or just people believing there's a policy that says you can't do it. Alex, what you just said is really important. I've, you know, faced some similar things. It is very important, I think, for us to say that you do have to follow the rules of your agency or department if you want to start something like this. You have to go through ethics. If you're a contracting officer or you have a financial filing uh, requirement for your job, right, there are rules you have to follow, but that doesn't mean you can't explore these opportunities. And like Alex said, people just assume you can't. And that's one of the things I try to bring out in my show is to say, no, actually, most of the time you can uh, people aren't necessarily going to support you, but you can, you know, as an example, I did an episode about being able to protest during some of the uh, issues that came up over the course of the last year and a half with the United States kind of grappling with a lot of our history of racism and things like that. And people wanted to know, like, uh, you know, they just assumed I can't, I can't be involved in that because I'm a federal employee and it wouldn't be appropriate. Well, actually you can, but there are caveats to that, right? If you get arrested, if you do something that is violent, um, you know, that can jeopardize your job, your security clearance, et cetera. But it doesn't mean you can't express your opinions outside of work hours when you are not on the clock. So I think that's really important and underpins what all of us have done is that, you know, you can do things. You have to, you have to make sure you don't run afoul of, of the rules, but there's a lot more latitude than people assume. Yeah, that reminds me of a, a piece that I intended to be a little bit inflammatory. I think about a year ago, I wrote and I titled it OPSEC is bad. 
um, and the intention was to ruffle feathers, but it was based on my experience being in this environment where the rule of thumb was, if it's not basically approved for mission communication, don't use it. And as a content creator, I was basically, I was being actively discouraged and, you know, sometimes, you know, kind of, uh, I won't say threatened, but people liked to point out policies like, you know, being contrary to good order and discipline, which I could be punished under flexible rules if people didn't like the things that I was saying. Um, and, and so that, and the reason I wrote that piece was, I saw the most effective leaders, you know, I think the army is doing a good job of this being on, for example, being on Twitter and actually engaging with those, the, their soldiers in that, so in that open public social media environment where there is no, you know, there is no visible rank. Um, it, it is definitely a fraught and difficult space, right? I still struggle with, with existing on Twitter, but there is a way to, to do it effectively. And it's important work to do because you can't just hide in a silo and only say things that are approved. That's not how human beings communicate. You, it doesn't allow for sense-making or, or engaging on the, on the honest level that you need to, right? So there's this, you know, this is why I, I, I wrote that on OPSEC is bad is not because I actually think that operational security is bad. It's just, I think that we've conflated it to such a ridiculous extent that, you know, I like to say we've tied our hands behind our backs in a fight so as not to injure our hands, right? Which is, sure, your hands will be safe, but it, it, it kind of defeats the purpose. Open communication and telling stories and navigating this in public is a really important part of, of making sense of all of this. Wow, we just covered so much ground in that segment. Um, we have to pause and take a break here, but in the second half of our program, there's a couple things that we touched upon that I wanna dig into a bit more. And that's kind of uh, the rules and policy, how you guys have navigated that for folks who are thinking about getting out there and sharing their own ideas. What are some lessons there? And then also kind of this, this uh, human bureaucratic versus professional employee dynamic. We're trying to break out of the mold, but uh, the walls are very strong. Uh, I, I wanna talk about that some more after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show with Daniel Holter, Love Rutledge, and Alex Tremble. Uh, having a fascinating break before the conversation. I wanted to pull the thread on some of those areas that we talked about. Um, 
And, and one of these is, is this dichotomy, this tension between the rules and policy that govern and in, govern the federal bureaucracy and also kind of inform the culture of that bureaucracy. But, but then how, are, how you all as human beings, as professionals who are seeking to grow your skill sets, you know, your capabilities are bumping up against that bureaucracy. Um, and kind of just wanted to talk about that some more um, and, and, and hear your thoughts. Um, and, and maybe we'll start uh, with love. Sure, happy to start. I have to say that I am very fortunate that I have a really supportive chain of command. Um, like I said, I work for the Department of Defense. I'm in the office of the Secretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness. And, you know, obviously I am very careful not to criticize my immediate chain of command. That would not be appropriate. Um, but I do address issues that appear all over, right, including where I work. And I'm very open with my supervisors about what I'm going to talk about. They listen to the show. I let them know when I'm going to have a media appearance because I don't want them to be caught off guard. You know, those are things that are just professional courtesies that I think we all should do if we have, you know, a second job, a side hustle of any sort, whether it is like what all of us do, which is actually focused on the federal government and improving it or not. You know, you've got to be really transparent. And, you know, of course, you can't talk about things like overthrowing the government or, you know, something just crazy like that, that it's outside the bounds, clearly. Um, and so again, I encourage you to consult your ethics office. Um, I did a podcast with a friend of mine who is an attorney for the government, and she ran into similar issues that we did. And she, she has a business creating greeting cards that are aimed at federal employees. Uh, it's episode 75. So I encourage you to go listen to that if you're looking to start a business or something outside of your federal employment, because we, we talked about some of the difficulties, right? And the policies that exist. You know, I also created uh, an LLC uh, for the podcast to make sure that I was taking appropriate steps to protect myself and, you know, my family and that kind of thing. Even though, again, I'm not doing anything that is crazy controversial. I'm just talking about strategies for federal employees to do better and hear stories about other people who are doing better. But you never know, like Alex said, when he mentioned that he had had IG complaints against him, things like that, you know, stuff's going to pop up. So you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and following the policies and procedures that exist while also, you know, stretching the boundaries a little bit beyond what folks might think is, is available uh, to them. You know, I've had a lot of fun with the podcast because I've been able to meet people uh, all across government and folks like you, Jason, and, you know, leaders in the Partnership for Public Service and a variety of other professional associations and organizations. And those connections have helped me in my day job. And so the lines get blurred and it's, it's sometimes hard to keep things as clean and separated as we would like, because the things that I'm learning from the folks that I talk to for podcast episodes is they're absolutely applicable to my day job and have helped me in a variety of ways. And I'm sure uh, Daniel and Alex have experienced the same thing. You, you know, if I can, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, love. And, you know, I, I think about, there's a story I, I tell in my um, strategic networking for public professionals um, course, online course, but long story short, um, in the beginning of my career, I had a, a mentor who was, a very, very close mentor and a, and a friend. And she knew everything about me. She knew all the stuff I was doing on the outside. She actually encouraged me to do more and speak. So I, I, I appreciate everything she did. Um, and then one day 
um, I, I learned the hard way politics <laughs> and um, she started coming after me and made my life very, very difficult for, for a, a period of time, you know, even having to get a lawyer and all that good stuff. Right. Um, and, and what I learned from that is you got to know the rules, right? You know, even if someone is being super supportive of you, you got to know the rules. And so like my best friend um, <laughs> was ethics office. Like I would talk to them all the time because I wanted them to know what I was doing, make sure I, was, I had documentation, like all those things. And I, I said to say, not, not, not to uh, make anyone afraid. It's, 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 it's just, you know, crossing your, your, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, understanding what could happen and how you would deal with those situations. Um, and, you know, honestly, and I think, I think all of us, if you've, anyone who's, who's done anything of significance has ran into something that hurt, that didn't go well, they failed somehow, some way. And, and if they've, if they've achieved significance, they've obviously learned how to deal with that um, or how to, um, how to circumvent it or go around it. And to be completely honest, like that, that time in my life where it was very, very difficult. And and again, um, it was really, really difficult. Um, I don't, I, I appreciate it, right? Because I learned so much from that situation. Um, again, also about just navigating and understanding relationships. Like there were some things that, you know, yes, this person was kind of an a-hole to me, but there were things looking back that, oh shoot, if I would have, if I wouldn't have done this, if I would have done this a little bit differently, maybe it wouldn't have turned out the same way. So, you know, just always know there's so many wonderful learning opportunities from, you know, dark and difficult times. Yeah, I like that you touched on the relationships aspect. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that has emboldened me over time is having that top cover, right? Is But when I started out, it, I was as, you know, I was a lone practitioner. I was just kind of shouting my story out into the void. And then as I kind of brought people on board with, no, I'm just a person telling my experience. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to, Uh, dismantle the system. I'm just asking important questions about the system and describing my experience. And those are two things that basically anybody can do without, without significant risk. You can talk about your experience, right? And then if people have problems with you talking about your experience, you can have a conversation about, you know, well, can you tell me what about what I'm saying about my experiences? wrong in your perspective right and so there are ways you can kind of bring people on board one of the one of the things that i realized early on as far as the rules are concerned you know in addition to being tech sergeant daniel holter i'm also just daniel holter like in my off time i'm just a guy and if i put myself out there as a guy just talking about my experience and the things i'm reading i'm not at significant risk you know people might not like the things i'm saying but especially if I'm building those relationships in the meantime with people to kind of be in my court in case others want to come after me, um, which, I, which I don't think they do, but that's, I, I don't think people want to come after me because I make it really apparent that I'm, I'm just honestly trying to help make sense of things for myself and for other people. And I think that that tone aspect is really important. Um, that's not to say that I think we should be tone policing other content creators. Cause I think that's extremely problematic. Uh, especially when people are trying to just tell their stories, there can be frustration there. And I've seen people be policed like, Oh, you should be saying it in this way. No, like listen and you know, don't try and 
don't try and help them change the message of you know them telling their story because frustration is a really important element to include in there right so i I don't want to be you know i don't want that to be conflated as you should be telling people they need to be more polite because that's often employed against people who are dissenters uh or just being like hey i'm being marginalized over here and then be like you should you should you know maybe smile more and be a bit more polite about it i've definitely had that conversation before and i think that's hugely problematic and i think we should frown in response to those those types of uh, <laughs> reactions. So yeah, definitely do your homework. Um, I've found that one of the things that keeps people from really trying to shut me up is the fact that I've read more on the subjects I'm talking about. I, I just, I, it, everything I write, I cite multiple, you know, multiple books I've read on the subject so that if they come, you know, if they want to have a conversation they better understand that I'm better prepared for that conversation than they are, right? So they can't challenge me on the conceptual forms. They also can't challenge me on whether I'm experiencing something or not. So I tend to operate in those realms, storytelling and theory that I get from, from uh, reading things. If I could, uh, Daniel, I want to expound on something you just said about your, you know, your personal perspective and telling stories, um, because I think that is really powerful in, in this space and telling things from the perspective, I am personally experiencing this really ridiculous problem instead of couching it in terms of this big systemic thing. Um, because no one can, like you said, deny your own lived experience. And for me, you know, it's, you know, stuff that happens to us is funny and ridiculous. Right. And so I like to try to bring out those aspects of things. And one of the things I talked about on the podcast that my, now boss's boss thought was just crazy that I would say in public was, you know, what I experienced when I had my first child and I was trying to request leave. And uh, before the parental leave uh, considerations were, were approved that recently, you know, came out in the last year, you know, you had to prove that you had something wrong with you in addition to having a baby to be able to take uh, more leave. So having a baby wasn't enough. So you had to show that something else horrible had happened as a result of having your child to take more of the leave you had already earned. And for me, that was having to go to physical therapy for pelvic floor dysfunction. Now, do you think I really wanted to go talk to my chain of command and have a memo written about pelvic floor dysfunction and how I had to go to physical therapy for it and like sit down and explain that with my retired Colonel GS-15 boss? No, of course not. Um, but that was my lived experience as ridiculous and personal as that is. And I wanted other people to know like, hey, if you're having this problem, you are going to have to write a memo and have it approved by someone who you're never going to meet, um, you know, in a, another part of the organization that you didn't know existed. And they're going to, you know, judge you and your situation to decide whether or not you are eligible to take leave, which is insane. Right. Um, and thankfully, I'm happy to say I've worked through that situation. Right. But I want people to know that, like, we're all going through these ridiculous things and there are answers out there if you can find the right people. And again, that's what I think all of us are trying to do is give voice to the right people who have been through these things, who can give practical steps toward solutions and achieving a better a better state of uh, whether it's living or working. So, you know, love, you make me think about the whole issue we have with social media right now. Um so, you know, the, the, the reality being there's actually a, a lot of uh, depression coming from social media because there's everyone's using filters. Right. And 
how come that person looks so much better than me? And then they're, they're using filters on their own selves when they see themselves in the mirror. They don't think they look as good. Um, that, that, that goes way beyond that, right? It's the, the whole thought about um, why is their life so perfect? They're posting pictures in Bahamas. They're posting pictures at the vineyard. Why is my life, my life not like that? Um, and so people are now questioning themselves and, you know, and, and that's leading to depression and loneliness and so on and so forth. And I, I bring that up to say, like, our stories are really important, right? Because if we're only hearing the positives, if we're only hearing about what's working, um, no one else, everyone else is saying, oh, wow. So I'm the only one going through this? Like something must be wrong with me. Um, so I, I think it's really important that we do have these spaces. Again, this is why I, I, I have these conversations on my podcast, um, the Alex Trimble Show, is because I want my I want people to see that even these most quote unquote successful people, they've gone through some messed up stuff. And, and the, the other side of this is by sharing those stories, those absurdly ridiculous stories, hopefully someone will say, wow, that's stupid. We need to change this, right? Like, you know, I had a great episode with um, Dr. David Smith talking about you know, how uh, men can be better allies to women, right? Like, there's so much stupid stuff out there. Sorry, I hope I'm, I can say stupid. Um, but, like, people just need to hear this stuff and say, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do this in our organization anymore. How do we, how do we stop this? So, thank you both for talking about the storytelling aspect. Yeah, that reminds me. Like, I recently had one of my most most the highest engagement just it was just a sometimes i do these sort of micro blogs on on social media right it's just like a facebook post or something um and one of the most the biggest reactions i ever got was very recently when i failed to make promotion for like it's like the sixth year in a row where i have not gotten this promotion and i i have now made it a tradition to just express how i'm feeling about that and one of the reasons is because uh, there's a stigma against, especially within the military space, I think, but probably anywhere against actually expressing how you're feeling about not making a promo- something like a promotion, especially when it's been several years of not making it. And one of the reasons is because when you tell those stories, the automatic reaction tends to be, here's how you can do better next time. And one of the things I wanted to say was, listen, I'm in my sixth year of not making it. I, tr- I am now at the trough of the lowest I've ever trusted the system right now. What makes you think I want to play the game, right? Like start playing the game again. Cause I'm at the, I continue every year I get lower and lower. I trust the system less and less to see me and recognize my strengths and my experience. And, you know, I kind of said in the post, I know a lot of people are going to interpret this as sour grapes, but I just want to get this, this idea out there. Cause I think probably other people feel it. And the responses were incredible. Just like, I, I think I got close to a thousand reactions on this post. And it was because mostly we tend, it, probably because of tone policing, but also because of, you know, the, the culture is when this kind of thing happens, the, the real leaders, they buckle down or they, they whatever, they put their head down and they start studying again for the te- test next year. That's great. And I, and I, you know, and I think that can be inspiring but also recognizing how many people actually feel a different way inside. And when you put voice to that, the responses can like are usually overwhelming because plenty of people have been telling the buckle down, start studying for, you know, for next year story that happens every year. And as a result, it becomes the calcified kind of that's just the culture now. 
And when things become like fossilized in that way, as this is the way we respond when things are this way, then people who are feeling a different way than that, they get marginalized and they feel like, oh, I must not be living up to the cultural expectations or I'm, I can't, I can't meet, you know, um, I, I don't feel like buckling down right now. I kind of feel like curling up in a ball and being like, maybe I should quit the Air Force, right? And that's a totally valid way to feel. And I think that that storytelling thing gives people license to have their feelings because somebody just said them out loud. Thanks for sharing that, Daniel. And we're going to unpack a little bit more about the power of storytelling to maybe change the culture and build connections across the government which is what I think each of our guests are doing and part of why I've been so excited to host this conversation today. We have to pause for our last break. Uh, when we return, we'll wrap up our discussion with Alex, Daniel, and Love. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show. And before the break, uh, we were talking about the power of storytelling and uh, what each of our guests, uh, Daniel Love and Alex, have been doing and how they're seeing that drive change within their spaces or build connections between peers and colleagues in their spaces. And and I in our in our last segment here, I want to kind of talk about what is the power of those connections? You know, because I think that that's ultimately uh, a, another interesting story to be told about uh, tying into and helping people elevate their voices so that we see not just the good, but also the bad so that we can move forward uh, and tap into the innovation and creativity and passion that so many folks across the community have. And maybe Daniel on this one, we'll, we'll start with you. I, I, I think with what you're doing with Project Agitare and bringing folks together uh, around these common things, but also training and growing that network and giving people skill sets around facilitation and other things, uh, presumably is going to help scale this kind of discussion, activity, storytelling uh, across the Defense Department and, and the federal government. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, oddly enough, that the the most important thing that we've done is we've created a safe community, like a space where people can actually engage with each other, be honest, have open discussions about what they're experiencing in their workplace and, and kind of the way forward. And we frame all of that around what our primary purpose is, which is to apply facilitated practices, right? Which uh, facilitated practices can generally go into the buckets of design. So you got like design thinking, UX, and, and all of these design, which, you know, the ethnography, the synthesis, and then the, you know, the prototyping, and all of those aspects, uh, and then like sense making and complexity, or any other, you know, organizational design, just facilitated practices generally. And one of the cool things about that being around a community is basically any problem set that, you know, you are engaging on, you can apply that lens to, like, what would a facilitator do to help guide us through this experience, make sense of it, or create opportunities for action. Um, but I still, it continues to 
occur to me that people are not necessarily just showing up to our events because they're particularly interested in Lego serious play or because they're particularly interested in design thinking. They generally are because those are legitimately interesting things. But I, I have had more than one person express to me that they just find joy in participating in the community and the relationships that are built there. So I think that this model of bringing people together around a campfire to discuss their experience and, you know, and engage and create community, you know, community action or engage in ritual dissent and come up with, with plans for action, or even just to tell stories and listen and, and, you know, have some sort of affirmation or recognition of, you know, have people there to listen. Um, just that model outside of whatever the practices you're trying to promote are is the most important important and powerful thing. People are in Agitare, not because they are interested in being facilitators, but because when they show up, they experience joy and safety and a community that's engaging on these topics, right? Which is kind of weird because it can be applied to any, any model where you're, where you're creating content around conversations. Um, and it also kind of means you can be agnostic about what the actual overall topic is, and there, you know, so long as you are creating that space, people will respond um, because there are a lot of people out there who are just looking for a safe space to be, you know, to connect with other people. So that's been, you know, you talk about the the relational aspects. Um, some people have been really honest with me. They're like, I don't really, you know, I don't really care for this topic, but I show up to all of these because I like talking to all of you. And I'm like, well, that's, that's good enough. Like we can cover the topic, even if it's not your jam. Right. Um, and we will still have walked away having done something valuable because people showed up. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's something that's always bouncing around in my head. I'm like, does the topic even matter? Like mostly people just want to be able to gather and connect and, and, uh, and feel heard. Right. And in that connection, they're probably each having their own, aha moments, making connections with content and information, whether they super dig it or not, and the people there. Uh, and, you know, Love, I know that you've described kind of the through the folks that you've talked to, you've made connections, learned things that have, that have helped you in your job, helped your organization, but also helped you see there's resources out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to add to that, I think I've also... I can't stress enough how often I have gotten emails or uh, direct uh, messages through social media where people have reached out to me with these really difficult problems that I am not qualified to help them answer. Uh, but I am qualified in that I'm willing to listen to them and they don't feel like they have that within their organizations. And, you know, to be able to serve in some capacity as, I don't know, an ombudsman for federal employees who don't feel like they have that outlet within their organizations is you know, something that's really special. I take that really seriously, that people are willing to open up to me about these really personal things when I have never met them. I don't know them at all. Um, but, you know, it shows that there really is a hole in agencies and departments that there's not a, someone that people can go to and feel like they can be honest and ask questions without either having a complaint filed against them or getting demoted or something like that. And And so I think one of the big takeaways I've had from doing this is that, you know, we need that. 
And as managers and supervisors, if there's anything that we can do better across the board, it's just listening to people and not judging them and turning them in for not complying with some rule, because that's what folks really need the most. Thanks, love. Alex. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to add anything to what was already shared. Um, but when we talk about connections, one thing I, I've really, really appreciated from being able to host this the Alex Trumbull show is that um, I've had... I have individuals who are GS7, GS9s watching it weekly, and they, they reach out to me and say, thank you, this is really great information that was shared. And then I have, literally, I have directors of bureaus and these top-level SES individuals listening to it every single week because they're finding there's really great information in there as well. And so what, what I say it to say, um, these are also people. Like, that's what I, I try to have in these conversations, that they're they're people. And, and so many, unfortunately, I'm not sure how this happens. Maybe it starts in school. You know, we are, we are taught to, you know, have the certain reverence to people who are older than us or certain who are in a more senior level position. And then we are, we're saying, well, we can't talk to them. I can't talk to that person because, you know, I'm not, they, I'm not on that level yet. And I like providing a space for those connections so that even though they can't connect with them in person, they're connecting through this, this podcast, this, this YouTube channel. Um, they have the ability to say, wow, this person is in person just like me and I can learn from them. And they have so much to share with me. And honestly, you know, I did the, um, this year we did a, a, a an award, uh, an award ceremony for federal employees, the 2020 un, 2021 Unsung Heroes Award, where literally just federal employees who won these awards were interviewed. And they had so much content, so much great value to, to offer. Me just making this point, like people are people. Everyone here, everyone who's listening, please remember people are people. And yes, they may have a more senior level, they may be lower, but they everyone has something of value to share. And if you can just keep yourself open um, to that value, you'll learn so much great information. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. And I uh, want to do a lightning round for each of our guests to let uh, our audience know where's the best website or where's the best place for folks to connect with you um, online. We'll, we'll go down the line real quick here and just make sure that folks know where to find those resources. Uh, and, and Alex, uh, where can they find out more about the Alex Tremble Show and the Tremble Influence Academy? So mine is really easy. Um, either the Alex show.com, literally the Alex show.com. You can go there for the podcast directly, or you can go to Alex Trimble.com. And that's where you'll learn about everything I'm doing online courses, speaking and all that good stuff. And I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks for being with us here on fed talk, Alex uh, love. Where can folks find the fed upward podcast? Well, they can find me wherever they listen to their podcasts or they can go to fed upward. That's all one word fedupward.com. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm like Tigger. I'm the only one. I'm the only love Rutledge on LinkedIn. So you can find me there as well. Thanks love for being with us here today. And uh, Daniel, where can folks find you and uh, Project Agitare? Yeah, uh, you can find Agitare at agitare.org. Uh, and also uh, we have a Agitare LinkedIn page. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. That's probably my, uh, where I'm most active and my various writing projects, um, are on sounding slightly off.net. Uh, and I'm, I've also been producing some videos on YouTube. So if you look me up, Daniel Holter, 
Um, I, I am the only Daniel Holter so uh, that I've found so far. So there can be only one. Uh, well, uh, Daniel Holter, Love Rutledge, Alex Tremble, that's all the time we've had today. I've uh, really appreciated your time, your insights. Thanks for joining us on Fed Talk. Uh, Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend. <laughs>